Saca a pinça. Hello and welcome to the Point Blank series of Indicast. I'm Abhishek and joining me over the phone from Delhi is a man who has dedicated more than two decades of his life to print and television journalism. And uh, he's also the editor-in-chief of IBN 18 Network and the youngest ever president of the Editors Guild of India. You must have guessed it by now. I'm talking about Mr. Rajdeep Sardesai. Rajdeep, thanks a million for doing this. Thank you very much, Abhishek. And for the ones who are wondering how on earth we... got uh, rajdeep to say yes for a podcast well it's very simple you bump into him at an airport and the kind man agrees in less than 60 seconds but rajdeep on a very serious note i was thrilled to meet you that day and you and your smile and the customary curly hair but uh, you looked pleasantly weary if not tired when was the last time you got a good 8 hours of sleep without having to worry about a deadline biting away well last night itself you know <laughs> i i tend to take sundays off so i've had a good long sleep it's it's hot in delhi Right. and uh, the best way on a on a warm sunday given the temperatures outside is to stay indoors and have a good day's rest so unless there's some breaking news which mercifully at the moment there isn't it's been a good sunday uh, mm-hmm. relaxing and uh, you know far away from work great and i read on your twitter account that you're going to spend it by eating alfonso mangoes so good luck with that that's all right i i am having my watermelon juice and i'll have a few <laughs> mangoes for a sunday great Uh, well let's go back to your school days uh, you know my grandfather would always tell me that how one turns out at the age of 40 depends a lot on how he was tutored when he was four back in school and i would like to believe him which school did you attend because you attended one of the premier schools in mumbai that's right i spent 9 years of my schooling in in a school called campion in mumbai and i spent my last year in cathedral both south mumbai schools and then i went to uh, wilson and xavier's college and then to oxford yeah i was privileged to have a decent education Right. During your school days, how much did you know dramatics and elocution or inter-house debate competitions? Did it play a big role in uh, shaping up what you are today? Did you actually participate? Were you extrovert, introvert during your school days? Yes, I was. I mean, I I did a lot of elocution and debating, but I actually was more a quizzer than doing uh, drama, which I which I did. So we had Pearl Padamsi, who was uh, a very accomplished theatre person, who did. pretty large school plays with us mm-hmm. uh, which i used to uh, perform in but my my real skill i think if if there was any skill in school was uh, was in quizzing because i uh, remember winning the cadbury bonvita quiz contest in 77 or 78 you know that was really difficult right I, it gave me enormous joy actually that to win the cadbury bonvita in those days with uh, mm-hmm. i mean sani uh, was, was a really big deal i think right so that was your first taste of being a celebrity among the people that you knew at least in school yeah well it was i think you know that it is certainly the the stand out memory for me from my school days is uh, is certainly winning that uh, bonvita quiz competition because it was uh, it was a tough one mm-hmm. we didn't get questions on bollywood film industry uh, <laughs> in the manner that i now find you get in quiz competitions right and it was on radio and everybody would tune in at 1:30 on, on a sunday to listen to it it was mm-hmm. appointment viewing and uh, for the school it was a big deal to to win the competition Absolutely, and in back in your school days, how much did sports play a major role? Because okay, I'll ask you a trivia question in a different way, and I'll be very disappointed if you get this wrong. Who was the only Goan-born cricketer to play for India? Well, that was my dad. I mean, you know, the, <laughs> right. you know, he was a, a a legend in a sense, and he was a great cricketer. But sports played a big part of my life in, in school, particularly cricket and table tennis. These were the two sports that I spent most of my time playing. Uh, Uh, cricket of course took top priority but table tennis wasn't too far behind and mm-hmm. uh, 
those were the other happy memories from school right so you are a decent enough gully cricketer and a gully table tennis player if there is anything like that yeah cricket wise a bit better than my tt i think cricket you know i captain bombay schools and tisone schools and ah. uh, was in the you know was there in the india under 19 probable so um, yeah cricket was a little more specialized than i was mm-hmm. in tt these were the two sports on which i spent most of my time as a school kid right you were 5 years old rajdeep when your dad went berserk against the west indies the generation that i belong doesn't know much about mr dilip sardesai do you recall the statistics by any chance when he was part of the team which for the first time won a match in west indies against west indies i, I recall all the statistics but i never really saw him play i mean you know ah. he retired in 1973 and i was you know i i have no memories really of him batting as a first class cricketer i have only memories of him playing later on for a club that we used to both play together in about 79 80 called friends club and then for the bombay gymkhana but you know i i never really saw him play uh, i've seen a little bit of video uh, of 1971 mm-hmm. not west indies but england most of it is through hearing about others talking about how he used to play but uh, mm-hmm. i have a sense from the way he used to talk about the game the way he must have played it i think uh, you know he had a certain romance with the game and i think mm-hmm. he was uh, he had a romance with the technique of the game so i i can sense the kind of player he must have been but unfortunately i never really saw him uh, when he was at his uh, in his prime ah well the internet and the few people that have seen him play my uncles and aunts they say that he was good against spin bowling and a legend has it apparently mr sardesai was asked at an airport whether he had anything to declare when he was he landed in the west indies and he says i've come here with runs and i'll go back with more then <laughs> that's all i have to declare so he had a sense of humor too Yeah yeah he was i mean he belonged to a generation i think who saw the game in a more amateur spirit i think he enjoyed the sport i think he was just uh, grateful and privileged that he had a chance to play it you know he was a rare cricketer i've often now called him you know uh, he's a bit like what dhoni was you know you come from a small town and you just have this one big talent hmm. and you are able to parade it on a world stage i think he was lucky because he came to bombay at the age of 17 mm-hmm. and he was playing for india at the age of 20 Now right. You can't do that, I think, unless you are exceptionally talented and and back the talent with a lot of hard work. True, very true, and that's a very apt comparison you made because Dhoni, who had never captained a side uh, in his life, uh, two years into his uh, international career, two years and a little more months, he did that. So that's right. Moving ahead, uh, Rajdeep, you studied in Oxford, like you said, and then you had degrees in BA, Bachelor's of Arts, then Master's of Arts, and then Bachelor of Civil Law. And in one of your interviews, you very casually mentioned that. you drifted into journalism why would you say that what are the other options that you considered before drifting into journalism well i i you know i i should have really been a lawyer i mean i i trained <laughs> to be a lawyer so i i should have really done the lawyer i probably earned much more i think i drifted into journalism because i think i came back to india in 88 at a time when i was a little confused about what to do in with my life and uh, i studied the law but i wasn't sure that i I wanted to spend a long hours in the courtroom at that particular moment in life, and you know, journalism is a good profession if you are drifting in life. The Times of India was paying me a little bit more than I was going to be paid as an advocate assistant. I always was interested in journalism. I spent in in, in college, I used to spend the afternoons at, at a at a newspaper in Mumbai called uh, called the Afternoon, edited by someone called Bedan Contractor, better known as Busy Bee, and I'd spend three hours every afternoon doing. Uh, Uh, you know helping out in page making and uh, writing the occasional stuff for the paper i think there was always an interest i mean it was a, actually a, a throwback to the quizzing days i was really obsessed with current affairs and uh, i think that obsession with current affairs is what took me eventually towards journalism 
Great. And you entered in a time when you had Doordarshan Samachar, which was at 8.40 in the night, English news at 9 in the night for 20-odd minutes, and then you had Amchi Mati, Amchi Mansur. And as you, if you contrast that with uh, today's 24-7, what are your early memories in journalism? Certainly in 88, there was no television at all. I mean, right. it was basically, uh, I mean, if you wanted to be a journalist, you either joined the Times of India, possibly the Indian Express or a couple of other papers. You struggled to get a byline. I was a little bit more fortunate because I, I had a, a really good boss in, in the Times of India in Bombay, Daryl DeMonte, who was really encouraging. I think Bombay in those days also, you know, there was a lot of news. There were the 92, 93 riots, the blasts. There was the Mandal agitation, Mandir. It was an interesting time to, to enter journalism, VP Singh as Prime Minister. So I think, I, I think I was just fortunate to be at the right place at the right time. But it was, it, it was a period where, you know, journalism was not really a glamorous profession in the manner it's become now. There was a lot of drudgery involved. Television changed that dramatically. But in the early days, it was basically, you know, a fight to get a byline instead of a bias staff reporter or bias by a correspondent. Right. And I think, you know, somewhere there's still a great joy in getting that byline on print. I mean, there's something about print and getting your byline, which, I, you know, frankly, Unless you're in live TV, I think live TV, you know, in a big election is, is the greatest thing that TV offers. But on most other days, I think the byline as a, in a newspaper is something to, uh, to savor. Right. You talk about live TV. If you can directly get back to the current era, Rajdeep, how would you rate on a scale of 1 to 10 uh, with you being at the position that you are in and representing the whole media community? The quality of news that is reported today on a scale of 1 to 10 with 10 being the best according to you and be very frank and honest as possible if you can. Well, I think, I, I, I think if I compare TV news today to what it was 10 years ago, I think 10 years ago I would have ranked it at about 6 or 7 on 10. Today I would rank it at a 4 on 10 and probably slipping even further. I think there is. A, are you being, you know, are you being too defensive if I, if I may cut you in? No, no, no. I think, I think television news is at the moment uh, suffering a serious credibility crisis. I think news in general is... I mean, I saw a story uh, two days ago as the front page lead in the Times of India that mm-hmm. Mahendra Singh Dhoni could be removed as captain. And it was completely unsubstantiated, no, no attribution. It was entirely a desk story. On TV, a bite of Mahendra Singh Dhoni was uh, played right through the day to suggest that Dhoni had held the IPL uh, parties responsible for our defeat when uh, the context in which he had spoken was simply not given. I mean, if you hear his entire press conference, mm-hmm. all he said was that it is possible that IPL parties may have uh, affected some players. He also went on to add that it wasn't the main reason responsible for the defeat. Uh, right. But yet we only chose what suited us. So I think, you know, the quality of journalism now is increasingly in the direction of sensationalizing news. It's in the direction of tabloidizing news. It's not about information in any anymore. It's about... How do you titillate uh, the viewer or the reader? You're right, Rashi, I, but I if, if I may cut you in just a bit here, then what about the good quality stories, the genuine stories that are covered? For example, there was uh, the story that was covered where Pakistan terrorists attacked the Sri Lankan cricketers on March 3rd, 2009. And just bear with me while I quote one of the journalists, say this on TV, and, and this is the tone that was used. Anyone who has visited Pakistan will tell you that Pakistanis love cricket. So when a terrorist attack of this magnitude takes place on cricketers, it surely must mean that Pakistan is at war with itself. The biggest question is, is Pakistan sliding into anarchy? Now, why do the television performances have to be so histrionic? No commas, no semicolons, no full stops, just one long rant. Why is it that our news reporting has become this today? I think think competition has done that because, you know, when you have a clutter of channels, there is the temptation to, to constantly uh, 
in some way hype up the news. Mm-hmm. And as you enter this era in a sense of this kind of hyped up news, it begins to sort of somewhere down the line tell on, on quality. You're, you're constantly looking, you know, the, the viewer has a remote with 300 options. How do you get him to stick to your channel? So then if I may ask you a counter question, obviously you have a very challenging role of filling those 24 hours of silence into something interesting. But I suspect as a reader, and I say that with all due respect, is the question that seems to be asked by the news fraternity is, that how do I substitute this silence, just do something by filling it, rather than make it more interesting. It need not always be beautiful, but it can surely be better than showing cows being oh, affected absolutely. by UFOs, or, or maybe two, two tigers, love story in a sanctuary. Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I actually think that, you know, what is happening in the, the overall deterioration in news quality presents a huge opportunity, because now viewers will be able to distinguish between what is quality news and what is really trash. In the long run, the real challenge is credibility. You know, television is not box office that can be generated on a day-to-day basis, mm. or journalism is not box office. I think the big challenge for television news or for journalism is ultimately to sustain credibility in the long run. There's a huge opportunity mm-hmm. today to do quality programming. You know, we, we have to be very clear that quality does not mean that you, you cannot do interesting programming. That is the challenge and those who will survive will be those who will ultimately provide the best quality of journalism. I I think this is a huge opportunity for quality journalism. But would I be wrong if I say that the Indian media has reached a ceiling wherein it's just not creating the kind of news that people would want to be if it is more palatable. For instance, investigative journalism, why don't we have something of the Watergate proportions in India? I'm not saying the sensationalism bit, but even for that matter 26-11 or Mumbai Blast, we have documented hardly anything and we tend not to follow up on stories and forget them. Would it be right if I say that and accuse a bit, if I may, to the, to the media that you represent? Yeah, well, 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 in a way, what you're saying is right. Uh, investigative journalism requires a lot of effort. It requires a lot of time spent on building a story. I just heard Nick Robertson of CNN has spent the last one year investigating the rise of the American jihadi. That's one year of his journalistic life he spent in building a documentary that's going to run, I think, over three weekends for, for three hours right. on CNN. But now, are we, are we, are we learning anything from there? We have these examples, Rajdeep. Are we learning I think, anything? I think even, no, I don't think we are, because I think investigative journalism has become quick fix sting operations. Investigative journalism is about sting operations and hidden cameras. Investigative journalism should be about rigorous documentation, the ability to investigate over a prolonged period of time. Mm-hmm. And that, to my mind, is the real basis for investigative journalism. Investigative journalism at the moment in this country is in a dark corner. You get someone to exchange money, wires of notes, and then you claim that you've investigated a story. I think that's quick fix journalism. I think real investigative journalism requires you to spend a lot of time on it. Are you doing something towards that when it comes to uh, recruiting youngsters like you do and people do look up to you and you have this amount of information with you and your heart is there at the right place? So is there anything that you contribute when a young kid walks into your office and starts his job? To be fair, you know, I think what has happened in the last couple of years is because of recession, we haven't been able to hire people, you know, in the manner that we would have liked to. Mm-hmm. You know, we should have been, uh, you know, we, we probably should have made a greater effort in... Uh, in, 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 in so you're in, saying in, the quality lacks, the, the quality of uh, personal... Yeah, well, well no, I, I think what has happened is we haven't been able to, to really go out there and get the best talent because there's been a bit of a recruitment freeze in the last couple of years. Number two, I think the amount of time and energy that you need to invest in young, in training young talent uh, mm-hmm. doesn't exist in a 24-hour news feed because you're just about... moving from one story to another. 
but what about little things like when a terrorist victim is sitting there and a mic is thrust into her and said kaisa lag raha hai aapko now this is not training this is you know, in marathi there is something called as sushikshitpana you know you are a maharashtrian i am too yeah, sushikshitpana this is something that your parents can yeah. teach you sure sure but you know that's a caricature of the news you know they you know we keep saying that every journalist does that that's not fair you know i think maybe the odd journalist does that but i think you know there are number of journalists who also do very good work now is the opportunity to differentiate mm-hmm. the good the bad and the ugly now there will be a journalist who may put a mic in someone's face and say how do you feel when someone has just lost a loved one but mm-hmm. there will be another journalist who will step back and, and and realize that you cannot intrude into someone's life at that moment and will he do a great story on that family who's just lost someone i think i think there is a huge potential now for doing more meaningful journalism right just the last couple of questions i know we are we are short of time you mentioned about these events now as a head of an organization when things like these happen like the gujarat riots that you covered or the the gori news now how do you detach yourself and choose the pictures that can go up when people are dying now there is certain amount of personal rajdeep sir they say also included in the news so how do you report such gory details by keeping your mind aside your heart aside and yet report without being too histrionic without taking names yeah. there have been reporters who have gone and cried while reporting news that's not their job let the crying be for the audience there is something that you do very consistently well so how is it that you detach yourself from the drama surrounding you and retain rationality well you know if you spend 20 22 years <laughs> of your life in a profession you right. you know you you come across all kinds of situations Mm. and you know every big story then is part of your of your learning experience i think i've learned over time to try and understand you know what a story is about it, so you, you don't know, take it personally number of people dying bomb no, no i do no i do no i do i i you know i i i i'm, I'm not someone who's going to say that you know a, a journalist shouldn't allow his own thoughts or views to come across somewhere you know, while reporting a story because ultimately the journalist is a human being in the society that he lives in right. and if you're passionate about your profession which i think every journalist should be there will be some emotion that will come through i think what is important is that every journalist must realize that he or she is not the story the story is about the people out there in a riot situation please report about the people who are who are caught in the riot it's not about you who is caught in the riot mm. i think sometimes journalists want to become the story rather than allowing the story to play out on its own right over so many years uh, rajdeep you've had the opportunity and the fortune of interviewing folks like sachin tendulkar raj thakre montek singh aluwalia manmohan singh they are all from different domains now how do you prepare or research on these disparate industries and when do you know okay i have done enough research let me walk away now and just interview the person and not kill myself over the details so how do you know it's a good time that okay i'm prepared for this interview you know to be honest the best interviews are sometimes done spontaneously mm-hmm. uh, too much research can sometimes i believe uh, circumscribe you as an interviewer you know karan thapar is a great interviewer but he does a lot of research into each of his interviews yeah. i don't see myself as a great interviewer but i i do believe that as a journalist my job is to try and understand uh, the person i'm trying to interview and uh, therefore i would do a, a fair amount of research and i have a, I have a few uh, people in office who help me do that research it's, mm-hmm. it's really a collective exercise right. uh, but at the end of the day there are certain interviewees with whom you strike a chemistry over over time lalu yadav for example is someone who over the years i must have interviewed several times mm-hmm. and i think as a result you strike a certain rapport and the person is more willing to to thereby sort of talk to you in a way which is interesting and exciting because uh, he's developed some kind of a relationship with you so i think that's the yeah. challenge in a sense for a journalist to draw people out sure i remember watching one of your interviews with raj thakre 
and you were doing it in hindi and he was talking in marathi and you asked him something about shiv sena is doing this what do you have to say about that and rash thakre says atte murkha hit these are the kind of uh, yeah. reactions that you get you know at the end of the day each interviewee is different from the other hmm. and the challenge really is that whether you're interviewing a raj thakre or a or a bal thakre or a narendra modi is that you've got to be honest to the job that you are doing you you can't get intimidated by any individual at the end of the day it's an you know you have the mic in hand which is your biggest weapon but then there there would be times where you know you must have been landed in a situation where a public figure is lying but you cannot counter him because that lie cannot be proved yeah. and you know it but you can't say it out loud no, does that happen that's okay i do i that happens but in the public ye public hai ye sab jaanti hai so you know <laughs> it the camera beyond a point doesn't lie so people do get caught out but that's not the idea the idea of an interview is if you draw someone out in the end his personality gets revealed through the interview so i think right. that's uh, that's another lesson have you succeeded in agitating any politician that he has walked out in the middle of the interview that rajdeep you know what you don't know what you're doing for instance has it happened i think uh, well several of them have got agitated i don't think anyone's uh, actually done a walk out on me or live uh-huh. on air uh-huh. but uh, there are several who over the years got agitated well thanks a lot razi for sharing your time with with this I, you. I, are you willing for a quick 30 second quick fire round it won't take much time yeah okay last one yeah okay last one yes you know there is a comment on the internet uh, can you verify this it says that beneath the formal shirt and suit Rajdeep wears Bermudas, and it's hundred percent true, is what he says. Uh, that happened once or twice. Uh, that has happened once or <laughs> twice, but uh, maybe on a Sunday afternoon or something, if I was angry, uh-huh. but not anymore. Right, and would it be right if we put your answer as a breaking news headline on Indicast? Yeah, would sure. I, I, I have no, I have no issues. No, but then from the from the media perspective, wouldn't it be wrong that this is not the news? Rajdeep said this is so much more than Bermudas. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, I, I don't think that's the central question. I think, yeah. as I said, I think the central, the central headline for me today, and it's a question that maybe I should have answered, is the real challenge for us is, is to do ethical mm-hmm. and meaningful journalism. I think ethics is a big issue that they don't teach you in journalism school, but oh. it's an issue which is becoming more and more important in this profession. And unless you do ethical and meaningful journalism, we should all be selling soap otherwise. Nicely said. A couple of more. A journalistic liberty that your correspondent takes, that you are willing to pardon. any such liberty that you are willing to overlook if a journalist in the course of his uh, of trying to get a big story occasionally tries to break a few so called lakshman rekhas uh-huh. because the story is hugely in the public interest i would forgive him great and which is one such liberty that you will never pardon i think if a journalist deliberately tried to manipulate the news simply to manufacture a story which did not exist Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that that really pisses me off. Has it happened? Or have you had to take some to hard hard decisions in in that sense in your company? Has it happened that you had to yeah. fire someone because they manufactured some stuff up? Uh, I don't think so. I think I don't remember having done that. But I, it's something that's there at the back of one's mind that you right. know if someone tried to manufacture a story, right. you would uh, take tough action. True. One thing about yourself that you would love to change, if at all there is any, uh, on TV, on TV, the way uh, you perform, the way you talk. I need to soften my tone. Right? I tend to get too loud, and I think over time now, finally, I'm trying to get a little softer. But I could, I could get a little bit more normal. I'm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm too loud at times. At times, yeah. And one thing that you would never ever like to change? No, I, I think that I leave others to to decide. You know, oh. it's it's for others to decide what is it that they they like and what is it that they don't like. Great. One final question, and this is the thought that I would leave you with: is uh, you've been here for twenty years. 
you've covered elections you've almost interviewed every prime minister that has been there for the past 20 years india pakistan you've covered riots bomb blasts all major stories what is it that makes you to get up in the morning and leave for work because you've covered them all so another scam that happens no, I, with uh, satyam what what new do you bring what is it that motivates you that's my question one of my original gurus in this profession was rk lakshman when i was in the times of india he and i would sit every morning uh, sort of dissecting the news and i learned from him that every day is a new day in journalism you're only as, he was he said he was only as good as his last cartoon uh-huh. i believe a, a good journalist is only as good as the last story or the last bulletin that he or she might might have done mm-hmm. and uh, frankly therefore you summon up the passion and the passion really to and, and the commitment to to do it day after day it's you know unless you have the passion you will never get excited by journalism and you must have the passion because journalism must excite you true and it shows and i'm not putting you on because if there are 10 channels showing a new story and if i i'm switching between channels and if i bump into yours then i would rather wait and see okay let's see what rajdeep is saying and i'm sure i have company so best of luck and it was great thank having you. you thank you so much for doing this on a sunday morning thank you very much thank you thank you thank you